Hello, my name is Bear Paulson, and I am the general manager at North Star Canoes. This is titled, What Makes Canoes Amazing? Many people think of canoes and kayaks at the same time, but they are different. Kayaks were developed along the Arctic coast of North America. They excel on big water and in strong winds. On the other hand, canoes, primarily dugouts, were developed on every continent except Antarctica. Historically, canoes were used along the coastlines of the six continents. North America, with its interconnected waterways, is different. Nowhere else can paddlers explore much of the continent's interior landmass from the seat of a canoe. The unique geography of North America created the need for lightweight canoes that could be portaged. Dugouts built from large trees and hollowed out using fire and edge tools were just too heavy. Birch bark canoes and their progeny, Kevlar and carbon fiber canoes, were lightweight enough to routinely carry over portages, allowing them to cross the continent. In fact, only a small number of really long portages are required to explore much of North America. The eight and a half mile Grand Portage connects Lake Superior to Quetigo Superior. The 12 mile Methy Portage in northern Saskatchewan connects the Churchill River to the Clearwater River, connecting the Hudson Bay watershed to the Arctic. And if you truly want to cross the continent from east to west, you'll also need to wade up the 80 frigid miles of the Rat River to access the Yukon River drainage. Canoes interact easily with land. Canoes are easy to get into, to unload, and to portage. They carry huge amounts of equipment and food relative to their weight. And canoes can carry whole families, all the way from infants to grandparents. Canoes allow families to share the wilderness together, regardless of the physical abilities of the individual members. That's why so many families return year after year to the BWCA, mine included. Rent a North Star for your family at nearly all the BWCA outfitters or purchase one of our amazing canoes from over 40 retailers nationwide. North Star Canoes, inspired by the BWCA and helping you share wonder with those you love. We're proud to support the BWCA and this Boundary Waters podcast on WTIP. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experience were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern light. Welcome to episode 99 of the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. I'm Joe Fredericks. And I'm Matthew Baxley. On today's... (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. On today's episode... Here's the thing. When we go to a paddling expo, Canoe Copia in particular, most of the people that come up to the booth, hey, I know I know the podcast. I listen. Joe and Matthew, great to see you. There's this general theme. Men and women, different ages, doesn't matter. They say 
I get to go on that one trip to the Boundary Waters every year. I live vicariously through the podcast when I'm not up there. Thanks for sharing these stories about the wilderness. I'm really busy with my job, life, kids, family, partner, all these things about life when you're not living here on the edge of the wilderness. Exactly. And today's episode is about one of these people who reached out to us last January and said, I'm going on a big trip. I've only been on one Boundary Waters trip and I'm taking on a solo trip, a big one. I want to document it with the audio diaries that you talk about on the podcast. Coach me through it. And that's what we did. You really helped from the beginning stages of this is like what we did with Eric Dickus years ago about here's this story. There's this trip that's going to be happening. I'd like to kind of document it along the way. Fallon and Eric coordinated that. And we said, here's the equipment to use. Here's an approach to take. What do you want to get out of this? What's happening around this trip? Share it with us. We'll take it from there. And that's what happened here. And we're going to dive into that experience starting long before the trip began, because that's how it all begins. My name is Heath Larson, and I am attempting my first solo trip to the Boundary Waters this May, paddling on the Laos River out of Sawbill Lake. I live in Wichita, Kansas, and I grew up in a tiny central Kansas town named Marquette, which is completely landlocked but full of Swedes that somehow ended up quite a long way from any major bodies of water. My grandpa found an old Grumman canoe lodged in a river sandbar when my dad was young. Occasionally, Growing up, I got to tag along in the Grumman, as my dad set bank lines for flathead catfish in the Smoky Hill River. I remember those summer days with great fondness. My grandma taught me how to fish for largemouth bass and pasture ponds, as well as for channel catfish using homemade stink bait in the Smoky Hill River. I can still smell and see the texture of that stink bait. She's gone now. But her dream lives on as I take my four kids fishing several times per summer each year in the same pond that I took my first cast with her. At least once per summer, we take the kids out and dad's grumman down the river along with another aluminum canoe he has. And those days are always my favorite days of the summer. I heard about the Boundary Waters about 10 years ago and couldn't stop dreaming about it before finally visiting last year. My kids haven't come to the Boundary Waters yet, but I look forward with great anticipation to that moment. For now, it seems my task is to explore and to learn so that when that moment comes, I'm ready. I've yet to understand why it is the Boundary Waters draws me in so deeply. It is a chance not just to escape the challenges of the real world and the brokenness we all carry, but also a chance to slow down so these parts of our lives can truly be explored in a deep, powerful way. Perhaps it's the connection with the best days of my childhood or the memories I have of my grandma, who I know would have enjoyed this place immensely. Or maybe the connection is even deeper, back to the Swedes and the Vikings of my ancestry. 
Regardless, the soul connection is there, and it's worthy of much more exploration. My entry date for the Laos River solo trip is now less than two months away. When I can carve out some free time at home, I spend it locating, fine-tuning, and fiddling with gear. Two months, and it seems so close, and yet I have so much more preparation ahead. Whenever I don't want to squeeze in another hard workout on the rowing machine or practice another knot, I just think about the Laos River and the challenges I know that are out there waiting for me. Last week, I was studying my maps and dreaming about the trip at the kitchen table. I have no idea how many times I've done this, just the umpteenth time. Within a few moments, though, my children gathered around and they asked all sorts of questions about what they saw on the maps and on my route. And their curiosity, it really made it crystal clear to me that while this is a time of behind-the-scenes work, preparation... It's also a time of great wonder. Until the trip begins, really, there's a lot more questions than there are answers. But the questions are what fuel our daydreaming about the adventure that lies ahead. Curiosity begets questions. The questions beget dreams, which beget wonder and anticipation. Where are these meandering paths of shared wonder taking us? Really, only time will tell. But for now, it's back to the basement to clamp down some treble hook barbs, make some portage notes, and polish my compass skills. To work, to wonder, and to dream. on Sawville Landing on a calm, quiet morning, 5.30 in the morning. Uh, yesterday I got here, well actually the night before, to test out the canoe I had and make sure I know how to paddle a solo boat. And I found out, surprise, I don't know how to paddle a solo, solo boat. Was kindly helped out of the water by uh, two kayak fishermen, Gary and Grant, if you're listening, sure appreciated it. And they uh, encouraged me and yet advised me that maybe a different boat would be a better idea. And I thought about it for about three seconds and headed right back to Sawville and picked up a more of a beginner solo. I had a prism before, and picked up the wilderness. And uh, Matt at Sawville told me, he said, I kind of thought we might be having this discussion on a windy day. Anyway, got the boat, got it figured out yesterday, and it went much better. Uh, I still have so much to learn about the canoe stroke and about canoe tripping, especially solo tripping. Yesterday was a beautiful test paddle, albeit a bit windy. Uh, went up the north end of Sawville and found my way to Handle Lake. Nice little lunch spot. Tried to do a little fishing, didn't have any luck, but it was a great day of lots of learning. Still trying to recalibrate my mind to the wilderness. It's going to be good to get out here today and just paddle. Have a lot of the 
I guess, concerns or anxieties a little bit removed. But I also know, again, there's going to be a lot of challenges today. So here on the water, I'm going to get after it early to beat uh, the wind because I learned that that wasn't much fun yesterday either. And it looks like an otter is going to accompany me out of the landing this morning. This is it. We're hitting the dusty trail, if you will. Look out Wine Lake. Maybe. Let's see what happens. day from the one and only campsite on Zenith Lake. Yes, I did make it through the Lugenita to, to Zenith Portage, but mercy. I'll never look at portaging the same way again. That was a slog. Uh, beautiful paddle through the Kelso River. That was pure joy this morning, uh, accompanied by hooded mergansers, of course, all the birds were singing. Found the portage to uh, Zenith. Quickly after starting, realized I needed to reconfigure the way I was portaging about three times, just with load distribution in the canoe and certain water bottles and bags and things that needed to be balanced a little better. I, and it took it out of me. Uh, my shoulders were burning and my hips were hurting. I'm, I've never, I've never hurt this way in my legs before. Uh, the the kind of fatigue and strength that required to get up some of those hills, single portage, um, just nasty. Took a few breaks to uh, reconfigure my clothing as well, as I was heating up out there, and uh, kept it a little more minimalist for the second half. Beautiful in there. Uh, countless fiddleheads. Amazing uh, the number of fiddleheads I saw. I've never seen them before in my life. I've never quite understood them. Now I know. So that was fantastic. I put the canoe down and decided enough was enough. Put it off to the side, carried the pack in the rest of the way, counted the number of hills I had to go up. It was four. In the Boston Marathon, there's four hills at a really crucial point of the race known as the Newton Hills. And uh, it's number three and four are the, I think, the most notorious ones. Um, the first couple are s steep, uh, fairly short, but then that last one, I think most people have heard of as Heartbreak Hill. These were the Newton Hills of that portage, and I decided that, yes, indeed, putting down that canoe was such a good idea. Saw multiple parties on the portage, uh, went back, grabbed the canoe, made it here to Zenith. Really happy about that. I uh, thought about hanging here at this campsite, but I think I'm going to push on to wine, check those sites out, and that'll put me in better position for my push, uh, beginning the Laos River tomorrow. So, 11.30, uh, just had some breakfast here on Zenith, ate late this morning just to get a push out of Sawville before the wind kicked up, which it has a bit now. So, beautiful site here, great for a smaller party, uh, beautiful white pines in camp, good view of the lake. A bit of an elevated perch, a bit of a hike up to the site, decent landing. Um, just really enjoying the day out here. But uh, that, that portage 
will uh, it'll alter your perspective. That's for sure. See ya. Good evening from Highland Campsite on Wine Lake. I mentioned earlier how I felt like I needed to just set my mentality and my pace to that of the wilderness, and that I felt like I struggled with that yesterday. Uh, something that Gary and Grant said that really stuck with me was, you know, there's, there's just no need for pride out in the wilderness. The wilderness doesn't care, and really no one else does too. It, it doesn't have a place out here. Allowing the experience to give you what it will and being willing to let it rest at that, not trying to force anything. I was paddling this morning on Sawville and I struggled so much with my stroke yesterday. It's not something I know a lot about. A canoe stroke, you would think it would be so simple. And it's very clear to me, especially paddling a solo canoe, that it's something that could take many years to really learn and a lifetime to master. I could, I could tell that this paddle that I had purchased before this trip was too long, but I really wanted to like this paddle. I really wanted to use this paddle, but it was... Again, it was my pride in the way. But what was the solution? It's the spare paddle from Sawbill, old trusty bending branches paddle that I purposely got a few inches shorter than my purchase paddle to try out a different length. And in doing so, the paddling today was so much easier. Uh, it also helped that I was able to stay out of the wind a bit more. Putting the circumstances aside or what you want to happen and letting it happen. I wanted a single portage, the Lugenita to Zenith portage. And I tried and I was in a world of hurt. And at one point I stepped in a mud hole. It was even early on in the portage and everything kind of came crashing down on top of me. And I realized this is a really crazy thing. As the portage wore on, I could tell that it just wasn't a good idea anymore. And I put the canoe down and just decided I'm going to take the pack and then I'm going to come back and get this canoe, however far along I am. And I felt like I was getting close. It was probably the last hundred rods or so of that portage. And I had so much more fun doing that. It just doesn't matter that I single or double portage I took a surfing lesson with my daughter this past summer out in California, and we had this amazing instructor, and he said, you know who the best surfer on the break is? It's the one that's having the most fun. I think that you know, canoe tripping in the Boundary Waters is the same way. I just need to make sure that I can keep reminding myself of this, that... I'm out here for enjoyment, not to prove something to myself or anybody else. Though challenge is definitely a part of this trip, especially, but just need to make sure that I'm having fun. 
and letting uh, the experience kind of guide me. So often in life, I try to do too much at once. Tonight, I, you know, I went and got firewood and I got the camp set up. I was excited to eat and sit by the fire. And then I thought, oh boy, I've got these leeches. It's, there's lake trout in this lake. I could cast off this point. And so I got my fishing pole all rigged up. I was spending time doing that. And I realized I needed to get a fire going. And I, I threw the leech out and I was up there start, starting to cook. And I realized this is silly. This is too much. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do three things at once. What I really want to do is sit by the fire and eat my meal and tidy up the camp for tomorrow and relax a little. And that's what I needed to do. And that's exactly what I did. And that, that feels good because I'm not a person that has been able to slow myself down uh, like that before. I've just determined that well, I need to do three things at once because that's what I need to do and end up being ineffective at all three and not having fun with any of them, all things that I want to do. So the fishing pole is ready to hopefully go catch a northern at Trail Lake tomorrow. It feels great to be out here in the wilderness with the wildlife, just the amazing plants solitude and doing a lot of work but work that I love look forward to what tomorrow will bring whatever it brings I hope and pray that I can really go with the flow here on the on the Laos River as I start that portion of the trip loading up the canoe here this morning on Wine Lake about 6 a.m. and uh, about to head out for what's almost certainly going to be the most rugged day of this whole trip. I have been pondering and researching, compiling data on these portages for many months now and uh, these are the ones that I've I had, I've worried about a little bit, but uh, after yesterday, I feel a lot more confident, uh, and hopefully after today, I can even feel a little bit more confident, but uh, it's going to be some some wet and exciting and uh, just grubby moments ahead, so I'm uh, ready to get it started, no idea what's ahead of me, but... Uh, it's, it's time to start, quit thinking and start doing. Looking forward to it. It's morning just before sunrise on Trail Lake out here sitting at the fire ring just admiring the view as the wilderness wakes up for another day 
yesterday was just unlike any other I've experienced in the park or really anywhere in life. The challenge that uh, the eastern portion in particular of the Laos River offers with its portages and the wild and yet intimate feel as uh, Matt at Sawbill described it to me. It's unparalleled out here in this portion of the park. But I had been looking forward to being on Trail Lake for many months. I could see that it was essentially the, the heart of the wildest part of my journey. I came into here, there's two sites on the lake, explored the south and saw how beautiful it was. Immaculate fire grate, even took a photo. Um, didn't see a lot of hammock trees though and also knew that the fishing I wanted to do was on the north side of the lake. So I paddled over the north side. Fire grate didn't look as good. Hammock trees looked a little better and everything else and not so good, but I decided I would go for it because I really wanted to catch a giant northern pike the size of my leg, as I tell the kids. So I unpacked, and as I sat there, the wind picked up, and I just remembered um, how Matt had told me on his first solo, he had been windbound on the north end of Sawbill for two days. And I haven't been able to get any weather radio while I'm out here uh, for some reason. But uh, I know that today and perhaps tomorrow is probably our best chances of rain and maybe even thunderstorms, wind this week. And I was just hearing that in my head. And I thought, I don't want to get windbound up here on trail. No, especially not at this site that was, in my opinion, below average. It was just brushy and not not a favorite of mine, I could tell, and I was getting kind of down about it, and then I just decided, you know, I don't have my hammock set up, I haven't even really got that many things out, I'm going to move, I'm going to do it, I got here a little later than expected, and this is going to take time, and it probably means I won't go fishing at all, but I probably am not anyway because of the wind, I paddled across the lake into the wind after packing everything very quickly, secured this site, and as soon as I pulled in, I just, I felt better. I felt such reassurance that, again, I was doing what I needed to do, and it kind of goes against the grain of some of my earlier thoughts of just slowing down and to the wilderness pace, but I wanted to use it really to highlight the beauty of the solo is when you make a decision you can go whether it's right or wrong you can do that to make such a decision with just one partner even a very close friend or someone you were used to dealing with that would have taken many minutes of just pondering it's of course glass calm this morning and you know it would have worked out there of course it, it would have been fine but uh what i can say is this last night on trail was just fantastic. I Again, I just went back to the simple basics of camp life. I enjoy setting up a camp. I love scavenging for splitting firewood. And then writing down 
just so many thoughts from the day in my journal and occurrences that I had on the portages and notes on the portages that I can pass on to others since they're so uh, sketchy uh, in this portion of the park. Sitting by the fire and doing all that. It was, it was just good for my soul. It was just peaceful over here. That's uh, really what I came to find, I think, on this lake and perhaps in the whole park. It was special. So often in life, we think others are influencing our decisions or making us do things that we don't want to do. But the spirits within us are also very powerful. The the moods we have, the changes of thought or um, influences that come to us directly from who knows where. I mean, to move that campsite, again, was perhaps foolhardy, but all I knew was I felt like I needed to do it, and I did it. And it doesn't always serve one well in life. Often it doesn't, but um, it is a fun thing about a solo trip. It is entirely you for better or worse can't encourage it enough for everyone to give it a shot if you can i hope you've been able to hear all the birds and wildlife around me it's going to be another beautiful day out in the park heath completed his trip paddling out through the lady chain and exiting where he started at Sawbill Lake. On his drive down the Sawbill Trail, he recorded his reflections of the trip. Since the audio is a bit dicey due to the road noise, I will summarize a few themes. One emerging reflection centered around the power of being totally engrossed in the present moment. That was a special gift of this solo paddle trip. With no paddle partner to help out or distract, it was up to Heath to take it all in and attend to every detail. Heath also told of a painful bushwhack around a behemoth of a beaver dam. His awareness of the fleeting nature of both beauty and pain is poignant. I will let him share a few experiences in his own words that are too good to summarize. It was pretty awful. And I even said so to myself after I had gotten through it. I just looked back and I said, that was terrible and kind of laughed. But then within the span of 10 minutes, I was on to Phoebe Lake and witnessing some sort of a hatch or insects rise from the water and then fall back again that looked like thousands of glittering snowflakes in the sunrise, just the light of the morning. It was just stunning. And each one of those, you know, you have an awful moment. They're not even awful, but a challenging moment. And you dislike it, but you get through it. And then you turn around and you have a simply magical moment. And that was followed by two bald eagles perched in a nest right above me and then seeing trout in the stream eating insects it was just none of it lasts forever and that's truly the beauty 
of the moment being temporary is that you can really drink it in and enjoy it when you're there because you know it won't last forever. And when you're having a bad moment, you know that for every uphill on a portage, there will be a downhill. And it's just a moment. One of the biggest takeaways I'm going to take from this trip is just trying to embrace each moment for what it is. Uh, As difficult as that may be and as trite as it may sound, this trip just really brought that to the forefront for me. I think it raises one question here in this audio diary and speaking about you and I and our paddling. When are we going to do the Laos River? I know. I mean, I can't. It's been on the list for a long time and Heath really. What? (laughs) Is that a sign from above? We're supposed to do the Laos River? I think that was the divine intervention we need. Heath makes it sound great. <laughs> and so does the divine. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. And, Heath, and, and the solo aspect of that should not be overlooked, what Heath did. It, yeah. You know, this it, in no way was our standard paddler profile, where we feature some epic paddlers from our community that are fairly notorious. But I think Heath put himself really out there in a powerful way, doing something way out of the comfort zone, and we can all be inspired by that. Hmm. So we wrap up episode 99. A few people we want to thank. I want to thank my good friend, Molly Matson, who recently reached out to share the podcast with some friends out west, said we listen on Sunday mornings over brunch. Ugh. Please enjoy this episode. We appreciate you. Also want to give a shout out to two people I knew as a very, very young man, a boy, in fact, in North Iowa growing up, uh, Matt and Stephen Baldwin. Hey, boys. The Baldwin boys listen to this podcast. I was informed. Uh, so shout out to Matt and Stephen uh, from Mason City, who are now living in the Twin Cities area and evidently listen to the podcast. We appreciate all y'all listening We make this for you. We wouldn't do it without you. We love to hear from you. So keep the audio diary correspondence coming. Keep telling us how you're doing out there. We appreciate you. And up next, the 100th episode is the next episode of the Boundary Waters podcast. We better think of something to do for that episode. Oh, yeah. Um, (laughs) How about a day trip? (laughs) Fishing in Homer Lake. (laughs) 